Hey, and welcome to The Creative Life. I'm your host, Christopher Tysis, and we're here to talk about a couple main um, topics. We've got two voicemail questions, which is exciting. But first, first, I thought that I would talk about um, Nintendo's financial report, which is somewhat exciting, but the numbers are pretty exciting. They've had pretty much the best quarter ever um, for a very long time. Um, so let's have a look. at This is the third quarter of Nintendo's financial year for 2020-21 from the 1st of October to the 31st of December. So it covers the, the Christmas time where it's normally the busiest. Um, so basically the Nintendo Switch has nearly made 80 million consoles to date, 79.87 million, a jump of um, 11.57, which is huge. The Switch Lite has taken up about 13.5 million, which means it's actually um, outsold the Wii U, which is pretty sad for the Wii U. And the Nintendo Switch should overtake the Game Boy Advance, which is on like 81.5 million units. So I wouldn't be surprised that it will hit 100 million units and overtake the Wii U um, at the end of 2021, which will be pretty exciting. Now, the biggest news, um, I guess, is Animal Crossing's um, sales have been absolutely amazing with 31 million units um, shipped and sold, which is amazing, which is another 5 million in the last three months. But Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is just still hanging on and that's on 33.5 million units. So the, the gap is is shortening. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what those numbers will be. Uh, Pigment 3 Deluxe had about 2 million units sold in this first quarter. Um, looking at all the, the Switch software that has been happening. Super Mario uh, 3D All-Stars have had 8 million sold. Paper Mario's had 3 million sold the whole time. Um, Hyrule Warriors has sold nearly 3 million, which is nice. Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, about 1 million. Um, you probably thought it would be more, but I think it's because it costs so much at the moment. Um, Smash Brothers Ultimate has moved up to nearly 23 million. Legend Zelda Breath of the Wild is about 21.5 million. Pokemon Sword and Shield has broken past 20 million. Um, let's go Pikachu and Eevee's 13 million. And all the others look pretty good. Luigi's Mansion 3 is nearly 10 million. So everything looks extremely good for Nintendo and pretty much everyone in the video game industry. Sony is doing well. Microsoft is doing well. It's not really a time where people are having a tough time, I suppose. So I'm pretty happy with how things are. And I think um, others will be too. So, that's all the news on the um, Nintendo's financial stuff, you know, um, part of the video game world. So, we'll move on to the voicemail stuff. And uh, we have a first question, and here is the first question you can hear now. Hey, Chris, it's JT. How you doing? Uh... I think this is a pretty cool way to reach out to fans, a great way to interact with them. 
I just got a quick question for you. Have you, by chance, played any of the Fatal Frame slash Project Zero franchise at all? If so, what are your favorite installments? Uh, and who is your favorite character? I'd love to hear your input. Anyway, figured I'd give you a uh, quick heads up and a quick shout out. Thanks for your question, Mr. JT. So, with Project Zero, I only played one game, which was on the Wii U, and I don't remember any of the characters, unfortunately. So, it's probably going to be a bit of a short answer. But the reason why I, I picked up um, Project Zero was because the whole idea of using the gamepad as a camera, which, you know... Still surprisingly today, a game like Pokemon Snap was never released on the Wii U, but it was released on um, the Switch console, you know. So, but I did enjoy, from what I remember of Project Zero, I did enjoy the game quite a bit. And I do have it on the Wii U still. And I would probably get it on the Switch, um, or a new version of it. But yeah, I think that's probably a series that I would look back um and look at other installments and see what they're like so but yes it was a good game that i that i did get for the wii u it was one of the games that i did enjoy despite um the wii u's problems and issues so we will now um get to our other question that we have here and um let's have a little listen to it now Hey, Chris. So I was thinking, you know, we've all got these uh, favorite things that we go back to over and over. So it might be watching reruns of the same TV shows or one movie that you just watch, you know, every couple of months, uh, rereading the same books over and over again. Gives a, a sense of uh, comfort within the familiarity. And I'm um, just wondering what exactly is the mechanic behind that? Like, why do we feel like that? And is there any way that you could leverage that kind of sense of familiarity into new ongoing works without it becoming, you know, boring, still keeping things fresh while, um, while hitting that uh, kind of nostalgia point, probably similar to what Nintendo does with their games. Yeah. Just something to think about. What are your thoughts on that? Thank you for your question. This is a really interesting, kind of difficult question because it's sort of, it's a bit like asking how do you make a classic? And in some ways, I think it's due to a mix of, you know, ways of creating a, a favorite video game or a favorite TV show and those mechanics and things like that. Some of it's by luck. Some of it is by skill. You know, sometimes it's a timeless story that has been remixed or done by previous writers of different generations. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's a number of other um, reasons why something becomes a favorite. You know, a lot of children's stories become classics um, due to the nostalgia 
of reading them when you're a child and you grow up, as you know, the nostalgia period is quite strong in your teenager years and your childhood. And then your kids end up reading the same stories that you do and you, you feel quite close to that. Um, especially when there are, you know, um, sequels to movies or uh, TV shows many years later on, like, you know, the, um, for example, Toy Story, you know, the parents of the kids nowadays are taking them um, to see a movie like Toy Story 3 and 4, where the parents grew up on the original two movies, uh, for example, and, um, or... Star Wars, the newest Star Wars movies, you know, um, that's been going for over 40 years. It's probably um, the parents taking their grown-up children along or the grandparent, you know, grandparents taking out the grandchildren. You know, it's been happening for that long. Um, I think some of the ingredients to a good classic is something that appeals to multiple genres, possibly something in the children's um, area, um, exploring of the human experience, something that's relatable to people. Uh, for example, um, I guess in the world of video games, it's about how much you enjoy the game, how much of a replayability there is there, um, the pacing, the world and the environment. Um Sometimes, you know, a video game comes at the right time. Um, I guess the great example was last year's Animal Crossing New Horizons, where it was the perfect game during the pandemic because it wasn't a game that was like a power fantasy. You're not wielding a sword or a gun. You're not running off into a fantasy world like Skyrim, which is another, you know, classic game, but it's for different reasons, I suppose. It was a classic game because it enabled you to do normal things that you weren't able to do because you were locked up inside of home. You could go off in this game and and do fishing. You could go around and catch bugs. You could come see your friends on the other islands. You could um, buy furniture and pieces and and make things like you could do in real life. You know, go down to Kmart or Bunnings, but because of the pandemic, you couldn't do things like that. And it enabled um, people to still socialize, but online. And there was a peacefulness to it too, Um, I think, with Animal Crossing. You know, it was just day-to-day life. But it was in real time as well, you know, in the game, the shops open up at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning and they shut down late at night, just like in real life. So it was like a simulation of the world that you have sort of temporarily lost due to the pandemic. But making a classic or um, a nostalgia, I guess for, for me, my, you know, my favorite movies have been Lord of the Rings and Back to the Future. And I think Back to the Future trilogy was because it was... Um, back back when I was a childhood, but it was just the, the fantasy of time traveling and great stories and, and, and a great cast and everything sort of fit and gelled together so well. So how do you make a favorite story? I think you can take some of those ingredients, you know, having um, a relatable cast, 
a story, you know, the the hero's story or a classic good versus evil, but sort of maybe in a in a relatable way. But I'm interested to hear what other people have got to say about, you know, why do they have, uh, what makes a favourite story or um, a video game or a song, you know, even in the world of music. Sometimes people like certain songs because they were experiencing a happy moment, you know, when they first heard that song or a song could be bad. You know, maybe they heard that song the first time when they were having a bad time or a bad moment. You know, a bad experience happened to them when that song was playing in the background. So, it's really interesting to, to sort of look at what, what makes a classic and what doesn't. So, I'm, I'm curious to see um, what other people, other folk have got for that sort of answer. It is a tough question. It is a tough one. But um, I think that's some of the reasons that can make um, a classic. But sometimes you don't know if you've got a, a classic on your hands until it's actually done and completed and out the door, I guess. But there are some feelings that, you know, when you're writing something or making music, you, you do have that funny feeling that this is a, this is a good one. That, that we're making something good here. But you never know how good it is until it's out in the public. So hopefully I answered that the best that I can um, during the night here. But I think that's all we've got. We've talked about Nintendo's financial situation, and that's all good, and the video game world is all hunky-dory for now. Um, we've answered our first couple uh, voicemail uh, questions, which is fantastic. And, of course, you can always go to Chris Tice's creativity uh, or, hang on, Chris Tice's creative life dot com and you can click on the blue microphone down on the bottom right corner and that's where you can post your, your questions it's a hundred it's a two minute long uh two minute limit that you've got so do make them um sort of not short and snappy but you know within that time limit you know but um, it's been nice answering a couple questions and i'm sure that i will see you around on the creative life podcast for our next episode thank you and i shall see you next time